0: Uh, so we're going to talk about Get Your Hopes Up, don't you guys? Okay, the, the new song, Get Your Hopes Up, isn't that like so good? I, I asked An, um, Andy a couple weeks ago, I was like, can we please do this song? And so he learned it and brought it here, so love that song. Um, it's interesting, I, I think that's where I have been, I've been hearing that song a lot lately, um, and then I've been hearing messages on hope a lot lately and I've been talking to people and we're, you know, my conversations have been around hope and so today we're going to talk about Get Your Hopes Up. And uh, this is something that has stuck with me, it's something that I have, um, I've had to actually live out in my life lately. I've had to remember it, I've had to think about it and process it because um, it hasn't been easy. Uh, lately, but I know that God is so good. And so I was like, what a perfect time when things are not going as well for my life, for me to have to come up here and preach about getting your hopes up. I think it's the best time. I think God actually is laughing and is like, hey, here you go. And I was like, yes, I get to do this with you. So, you know, this is a perfect time to talk about getting your hopes up because we have Easter next week. So did you all know today is Palm Sunday Yeah? And the significance of Palm Sunday, it's when Jesus rode in on a donkey into Jerusalem, and he knew what he was going to encounter in the next week. He knew what he was going to be doing for us. But the thing is, next Sunday is Easter, and we get to celebrate that he defeated death. He rose from the grave three days later, and he defeated death. And so, because he did the impossible, right? We can see that when he died, he came back three days later. That is the impossible. We can actually cling to that in our life and say, if he can do that, he can do anything. He can do the impossible. Over the past month, we have been talking, well, it's been even even longer than that. Ryan kind of decided to extend inheritance uh, a little bit because he had some good stuff to say, but I don't know. We've been talking about inheritance lately, and it has been, I think, by far the best series that we've done in a long time. And I, I've said it to almost any person that I've talked to lately, but Ryan spoke a message three weeks ago. If you did not hear it, it was by far the best message I've ever heard anyone preach, ever. And that's not putting him on a pedestal. I'm not kidding. I know, I know. That's not like saying, oh, you know, whatever. It's not about Ryan. there was something, it's not about you. It is, it's true, it's not about you, but there's something that he, there was some stuff that he said and I'm telling you right now, we all needed to hear it. So if you have not heard it, you guys need to go online, lwmedford.org, look at our messages and listen to that one especially. But the whole inheritance um, series, it was incredible. And um, I've really felt like where we are going as a, a family, we need to hear those messages. And so um, please get online and listen to those. What God has placed in you, the dreams and the gifts that he's given each one of us, we get to walk those out together. And we get to see what God wants to do in this city, in our families, in this region, in this valley. We live in an amazing valley and God is encountering this valley. And it's gonna take us stepping in to the dreams and the hopes and the things that God has placed in each one of us individually. And so we get to do this together, and we get to believe that God is who he says he is, and he's going to do what he says he's going to do. And that's us getting our hopes up, because our hope is in him. It's not in us. It's not in a circumstance changing. It's in him. What, the Lord, what has the Lord been speaking to you about lately? What has he been telling you about your life, about your family? What's he been saying about this church? Have you been asking him? Have you been asking him what he wants to do in the city? Because that's where it starts. You know, we start every year with intimacy and then identity and inheritance. And intimacy is about our relationship with him. It's about us encountering his heart. It's about us having a conversation with him where it's not just one-sided, where it's not just me talking to him saying, I need all these things in order to do what you're telling me to do. I actually need to listen to him and hear what he has to say. And I need to hold on to those things tightly and say, man, I don't know if I see this right now, but I know you're going to do it because you said you're going to do it. You are who you say you are, and you're going to do what you say you're going to do. We get to be his kids and get in his presence and listen to his voice. And then we get to choose to be obedient to what he's asking of us. That's the hard part. (laughs) That's the part that we sometimes don't want. So then we don't ask him, right? Because we don't really want to know what he has to say if we have to do something that may be uncomfortable. But he's asking us to do things, and we get to step into that. The other morning, uh, I woke up, and I, I thought it was time to get up. So I looked at my phone, and it was 4.06 a.m., and I was like, yeah, right. Like, are you kidding me? It's 4 06. And so I laid in bed and I was just struggling. I was like, oh, I I don't want to get up. And I kept hearing the Lord say, get out of bed. I have something for you. And I was like, I do not want to get out of bed. It is, you are crazy. Why do you choose this early in the morning to talk to me? Because this is a normal thing. When he has something that he wants to say, a lot of times he gets me up really, really early and I'm getting older, and people get up when they're older. They get up earlier. Like, we joke about Garris all the time. He's always up around 4 a.m. Actually, he put a post on Facebook at 4 a.m. that day, and I was like, I'm up as early as Garris. This is great. <laughs> I'm getting older, people. <sighs> but, um, I, I, you know, I, I got up. I made some coffee, and I grabbed my Bible and, and my journal, and I just went and sat and uh, i was I was listening to him, and I was just journaling and journaling and journaling and Two and a half hours later, I stopped, and I was thinking, "Oh, I wouldn't have had time for everything that you wanted to say if I would have got up when my alarm went off. I get it, you know, like I hear you, and so You know, I got up and I I just wrote down a bunch of stuff. And I believe that in order for us to be people that get our hopes up, we need to be people that are listening to the Lord at whatever time of day he's speaking to us. We need to be listening to his voice. We need to be um, getting out of bed if it's early in the morning. We need to be doing whatever he's calling us to do. But he wants time with us because he has stuff to say to us. And we get to put our hope in what he's saying, in who he is. There's something that the Lord wants to release in, uh, in us this morning, and I really believe that we're going to walk out of this place full of hope. And you may be looking at your circumstance and going, you have no idea what I'm walking through. Well, the thing is, I, you have no idea what I'm walking through. But I know that God is good, and I know that he has stuff for us. And so we are going to just receive hope today. And we're going to walk through these doors into our week, into this week where we're going to celebrate Easter next week, and we are going to be hopeful people. I believe it, and I've been praying for it. If you want to turn to 2 Kings uh, chapter 4, that's where we're going to start today. And when the Lord woke me up the other morning, he gave me a word that I believe is a prophetic word that he wants to speak over all of us. And so I'm just going to release this word over you right now. He said this, jars will be filled to overflowing. This actually makes me cry. This is so good, you guys. Jars will be filled to overflowing. This next season is going to be a season of overflow. You have been waiting and contending for those things, and now we're going to be stepping into a season Of promises fulfilled. Who needs that? (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Oh, so good. Many of us have been waiting for God to show up and to do what he says he's going to do. And we have kind of lost hope because it's taken so long. And we've looked at our circumstances and are like, you know, I don't know if that's even possible anymore. You said it, but I don't even know if it can happen. And I'm telling you right now that he doesn't want that to be our story. He wants us to be filled with hope, knowing that if he said it, he's going to do it. Okay? (laughs) So we're going to read 2 Kings 4, starting in verse 1. It says this. The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha your servant my husband is dead and you know that he revered the Lord but now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves Elisha replied to her how can I help you tell me what do you have in your house your servant has nothing there at all she said except a small jar of olive oil Elisha said go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars and don't just ask for a few Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into the jars, and as each is filled, put it to the side. So she left him and shut the door behind her and her sons, and they brought the jars to her, and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, Bring me another one. But he replied, There is not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God, and he said, Go and sell your oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. This woman is at the end of everything. She's not only lost her husband, but now she is sitting there with a bunch of debt. She probably isn't someone that works, so she has no money to pay this debt, and she's going to lose her sons, so she's going to lose everything at this point. Can you imagine how hopeless her situation may seem? That she's looking at this thinking, I've got no idea. There is nothing before me. I don't even have, I have just a tiny little bit of oil. That is all that I have. I have nothing. She is pretty dang hopeless. And Elisha, it says in verse 2, he replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me what you have in your house. Your servant has um, nothing there at all except for a little oil or little jar of oil. She felt that she had nothing of value and she was looking at her life thinking, I've got got nothing. I don't even, there's absolutely nothing. This little jar of oil doesn't even mean anything to her. How many of us are looking at circumstances and thinking, this is it, this is all I have. I have nothing, I'm at the end. I think that we come to this place a lot of times and we're hopeless and we're like, I don't even know. I, I have this tiny little bit of oil and it's nothing. It's no, not of value at all. Often our circumstances will dictate our lives and we let them. We let them dictate us, they, we, let, we get caught up in what's going on around us, that's all we can see. It's what's in front of us. Our eyes are here instead of up here. Maybe we don't have anything in our bank account. Or there's nothing good that's going on in your marriage. Or maybe you're feeling alone and disconnected in relationships with others. Or maybe there's a diagnosis that a doctor gave you that makes you feel hopeless. That's what we see, and it's true in front of us right there. But the thing is, we are kids of the king, and he has a better plan for us. And we have to remove our eyes from here in the situation and we have to turn them to him. I don't know what your, your life looks like and what circumstances that you're going through but I know we cannot get caught up in our circumstances because when we do that's when we become hopeless. That's when we try and fix things. That's when we're trying to do things on our own. And we aren't allowing the Lord to show up in a place where his promise is. We're not providing an open space and saying here you've got to show up and I'm a landing place for that we're holding it together that's what we're doing if we're looking at our circumstances at the beginning of this year I asked the Lord um, for a word I like to do that a lot of people do that Um, but I asked the Lord for a word uh, for my year and uh, he said my word was increase and I thought that's a good word I like that word Right? I'll hold on to that. And so I began to process with him for a couple weeks of what that looked like, and, and he showed me, and I think maybe I shared it before, but he showed me a bunch of jars that were empty, and he said, you're going to increase in a lot of these areas. I'm going to be pouring out in these areas. And I was like, oh, yeah. And one of them was uh, my living situation. <clears throat> you know, I've, I, I have had about 50 roommates in the last 25 years. I am, like, the queen of roommates. Like, I am so good at this. Like, it's just, it's what I'm good at. But the Lord was like, well, that's going to change this year. And I'm like, praise the Lord. (laughs) Like, I love my roommates. They're amazing. But I'm ready. Come on. I'm a grown adult. I need my own house. I need to live, you know, away from roommates. And uh, so I'm thinking this is awesome. And I'm like, yes, this is the year I'm going to get a house. God, I trust you. This is so awesome. And then a couple weeks go by, and Andy and Andrea are my landlords, and Andy comes in and he's like, Hey, how do you feel about us selling the house? And I was like, What? <laughs> you're, 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 you're selling the house that I'm in right now? And I had a full meltdown, like full meltdown. And uh, I didn't, I was like, Oh my gosh, and everything that I could think that could go wrong, was, like, right in front of me. It was yelling at me. My circumstances, like, I was just like, oh, my gosh. Like, what am I going to do? I'm going to be homeless. I'm going to be homeless, you guys. I I don't have any money. I don't know what I'm going to do. Like, I am still single. Like, what's going on, God? I am, like, this should not be happening, right? All these things are yelling at me. But he gave me a word. But I wasn't thinking about that. I was thinking about the circumstance that was yelling at me in my face so you know i um it's easy to look at our circumstances it's easy to look and say yeah this is what is true you know i i am a grown adult i um should be owning a home i should be married by now you would think that that would have happened it was my plan at 26 i was going to get married that was the plan I, I have way past that, okay? And I, I don't really have tons in my bank account. And so I'm like, these are all true things. <laughs> and you guys can be looking at this and saying, yeah, but. Because I've talked to a lot of people about this. And I'm like, you know, I'll tell my friends. And they're like, oh, my gosh, I'm so excited to see what he's going to do. And I'm like, yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> and they're like, He's gonna show up, it's gonna be a miracle. It's gonna be incredible. I am so excited to see what he's gonna do. And I want to live like that. And I'm not joking, that is every response that I've gotten from anybody. That has been their response. Not, oh, we're sorry. Like, come on, just join me in here. Look at the circumstances, they look really bad. And, he, and everybody's like, oh no, this is gonna be good. Like, just wait and see. And I think it's very easy for me to look at my circumstances and say, yeah, this looks hard, but you, yeah, yours is hard, but oh my gosh, God's going to show up. And I can believe it for you, but to believe it for myself is a whole different story, right? And so that's one of the reasons why we need each other, because we need to be encouraging each other and saying, get your hopes up. I have to say this, it's on my phone. Every time I turn on my phone, it says, get your hopes up right? I have to be like thinking about this. And then the guys are reminding me in the office, they're like, get your hopes up, Kim. And I'm like, gosh, okay, yes, you're right. You're right. I need to look at him and not at my my circumstance. We need to get his perspective and believe what he said instead of looking at the circumstances and thinking, how am I going to fix this on my own? What am I going to do? In verse 3, it says this, Elisha said, Go around and ask your neighbors for empty jars. Don't just ask for a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour the oil into jars. As each is filled, put it uh, one to the side. Each one to the side. So I'm wondering how humbling it must have been for her and her her boys to walk around to the neighbors, because you know she knows everybody. I'm assuming this is not a huge village that she lives in. And so she's going to go and humble herself before these people that she knows and say, "Hey, I have nothing and I need jars." And it says, "Don't just ask for a few." So she's like, "Any jar you have, I need it. Please give it to me." And they're thinking, "You have nothing. Why are you looking for why do you need jars?" Right? They know she only has probably a little oil. So they're looking at her, you know, it's got to be pretty humbling for her to go and ask her friends for this. But I was thinking and she's going door-to-door door, acknowledging to people, hey, I'm expecting a miracle. That's really what she's doing because she looks a little crazy. A little bit of oil and you need how many jars? You need a lot? I don't understand. But I'm wondering when it changed in her that hope came into to her, her perspective that she began to look and see, okay, God's going to do something because really she has two choices. Either God shows up and he does a miracle right in front of her, or he doesn't and she loses everything. Two choices right there. And so she's walking around and she's she's asking her friends, and the thing is they are going to experience this miracle just as much as she is. They're going to see God show up just as much as she is. And the amount of jars that she was collecting, she could have collected just a few. You know, he said don't collect just a few, but she could have got enough just to pay off her debt and be like, you know what, I know that how much oil goes for, and if God does fill these jars, I'm good. This is what I need. But she's, she went and got all the jars that she could get. So that shows, one, that she's being obedient, but two, it shows the amount of faith that she has. She wasn't just getting a few. She's like, if he's going to do it, I believe he's going to do a lot. And I'm going to just stand in that. I'm going to wait for a miracle where he fills up all these jars, not just a few. <coughs> going back to my situation, you know, looking at my situation, I, I, I can have that, that I feel sorry for myself and drag you all into it with me. I'm really good at that. Um, <laughs> I, can, I can do it. Um, but... I was thinking, how am I aligning my thoughts with the Lord? How am I aligning my heart with him? What am I speaking about my circumstance? I think a lot of times we want to live in that hopefulness. We want to trust what God's saying, but we're still aligning ourselves up with what we see in front of us. And we're not aligning ourselves up with the miracle that he has in store for us. So we need to be changing our language. We need to be changing how we speak about him how we speak about what he says, how we speak about our situation. We need to declare his truth. What did he say? What did he say to you? And then start declaring that instead of what you see in front of you. We have a heavenly father that loves us so much and he is so good. He is so good. But what we believe about him is what we're going to believe about if he's going to come through for us or not. So if you believe that he's kind of good, you're going to think, well, maybe he'll come through. It's possible. He might show up. But if you believe that he's good, and we know his character because we know him, because we're walking intimately with him. So when we know him and we know he's good, we know that he's never going to disappoint us. We sing it all the time. You're not going to disappoint But then we walk out these doors and we're like waiting for the disappointment. We have got to change the way that we view him and what we speak about him and what we speak about our situation. This woman was preparing herself for a miracle. She was stepping out of obedience and she had no other choice. She was like, he has to show up and I know he's good and so he's going to show up. And she stepped out in obedience and she looked a little crazy to her neighbors and she didn't care. And she brought a whole lot of jars home. Verse 5, it says this, She left him and shut the door behind her and her sons, and they brought the jars to her, and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, Bring me another one. But he replied, There is not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. She believed, and she got her hopes up, and she saw a miracle she saw a little bit of oil that she didn't even think was of value pour into all these jars. The looks that they had to have been giving each other in that moment. Can you imagine being in that room and just like watching their interaction, watching them like go, oh, look at it. it's still pouring. Like, it's mind blowing. If you've ever seen a miracle, Take place right in front of you, you know what I'm talking about. He wants to do that. He wants to show up in miracles. He wants to provide for you. And he wants your mind to be blown. He, want you, he wants you to be so excited. You ha- they had to have been jumping for joy, like, oh my gosh, bring me another one. Like, I'm oh like, I can't even believe that this little bit is pouring into all of these jars. This is incredible. They were witnessing a miracle. And a lot of times we just get, we're good with this. And he's like, oh man, I have so much more for you than just what you're doing right now. I want to blow up your world. I want to just show you how much I love you. We have to make a place for him. She was obedient and she made a place and he showed up. She went on to tell the man of God, verse 7, And he said, go and sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. See, she could have collected just a little bit of jars and been good, paid off her debt, and been done. But God had more in mind for her because he provided so that she could live off the rest. So I'm assuming that that's a lot, okay? Her and two boys. So there's a lot of times where we think, well, God, if you could just do this, it would be great. This little bit right here, I need you to do this. This is what it looks like, and then I'm good to go. And he's like, oh, my gosh, I have so much more for you than just paying off your debt. I want you to flourish. I want to provide more than enough for you. But a lot of times we just stop and we just say, no, this is good. I'm good. Let's stop doing that. Let's start allowing him to provide even more because that is a joy for him to do. Oftentimes we get our, um, we are afraid to get our hopes up because we're afraid of disappointment. And the reason why we get disappointed, I was, I was talking to the Lord about this yesterday as I was packing up some stuff in my house, and I was like, people are going to say that you've disappointed them, because I've said you've disappointed me before. And he's like, right, but when I disappointed you, uh, what did that look like? And I was like, well, you didn't show up when I wanted you to, how I wanted you to, with what I wanted you to do. I gave you a list and I, I just handed it to you. I mean, you're God, you could do it. And he's like, you're right, I didn't do those things. I totally disappointed you. And I was like, oh, you didn't disappoint me. I put expectations on you that you never wanted to meet. My expectation should only be to have hope in him. It should only be what he says, not what I think. Not what I think is going to be really good for me. Because I would be married right now with a house and children and everything would be great. Because that's what I asked for a long time ago. But guess what? I would never trade my journey. Ever. He has so much more for me than just that. And that will be amazing when it comes. But that's not where my hope is. My hope is in him only, in what he says. I'm going to tell a story, and I'm super excited about this story. Okay. And, and If you've been hanging around me, you've probably heard the story, but it's cool. You can hear it again. So Chris Valentin, this is not even my story. It's just Chris Valentin's story. I was listening to one of his messages a couple weeks ago, a couple months ago, actually, and he was talking about how him and his wife um, you know, he's a pastor down at Reading, Bethel, and he and his wife um, were just praying one day about inheritance and just wanting to provide for their kids, and they've been working really hard to get their house paid off. And so he said, anytime I have extra money, I'm putting two or three payments a month towards this because I don't want this debt hanging over. I want to be able to release my inheritance to my kids. And so they were just praying one night, a real simple prayer, just, Lord, show us how to pay off our mortgage. We want to get this paid off. So about six weeks later, he goes to a conference. He's speaking. And all these people are waiting in line uh, to get prayer from him. And this guy stands behind, um, and he's at the end of the line, about 20 people. And he comes up to Chris at the end. And Chris is like, hey, I'm Chris. How's it going? Um, And what can I be praying for you about? And he's like, I actually don't want you to pray for me. And Chris is like, then why are you here? (laughs) And he's like, I need to pay off your mortgage. And Chris was like, yeah, right. And the guy's like, no, seriously, I need to pay off your mortgage. And Chris's like, why do you need to pay off my mortgage? And he said, well, I bought a boat. I really want a boat. And I bought this boat. And um, I came home, and the Lord said I was not supposed to buy the boat yet. I'm supposed to pay off your mortgage, and then I can buy a boat. So I had to sell the boat back. And I really want a boat, so I need to pay off your mortgage. <laughs> yeah. And... And Chris is like, you're not going to pay off my mortgage. And he goes, no, seriously, I want a boat. I like, I need to do this. I want a boat. And Chris is like, my mortgage is pretty high. It was like $500,000 that he had left, okay? They got property and everything. And so he's like, we have about 500000 No, because he says, he said to the guy, um, my mortgage is really high. And he goes, is it more than $3 million? And, the, and Chris is like, no. And he's like, then can I just pay off? your debt and, you know, this mortgage. And he says, I'm not going to be your friend. And the guy was like, I don't want to be your friend. I want a boat. <laughs> and so he like he's like, okay, go talk to your pastor because you're not paying off my mortgage tell you talk to your pastor because he knew his pastor and everything. So a couple days later, um, his his mortgage gets paid off. And this guy texts him a picture of this brand new boat. <laughs> and it was, even greater than the boat that he had bought before and I thought man this story just gets me all just excited because I thought he had a simple prayer of God we just want to bless our kids and we just we we can you help us pay off our, our house you know we just need our mortgage to be paid off can you just help us with this and God's like oh yeah I have all the finances in the world. Okay, I'm going to call on this guy. Oh, he's going to show up, and this is what's going to happen. Like, God is so good. And so if God can pay off this mortgage, $500,000, I don't even need that much. Like, I know that he can do a miracle for me, and I have no idea what it looks like. All I know to do is to step out in obedience every single time he tells me to do something. That is all I know to do because I don't have enough money in the bank to do what I want to do but I know that he said, what do you want? And I told him, and he's like, don't settle for anything less than my best. And I'm like, oh, okay. So I was like, oh, I'm good with an apartment. One bedroom would be fine. And he's like, is that what you want? No, that's not what I want. What do you want? And I was like, I want this. And I don't know how he's going to do it, but I'm going to open myself up and prepare myself for a miracle. I'm going to get my hopes up. So whatever you're facing, What do you want God to do? What has he said to you? What promise did he give you? Did you lose that somewhere? Go back to it. Start aligning your thoughts with that. Start aligning your words with that and your actions. Start stepping out in obedience. I don't know what what your situation looks like. I'm sure there are a lot of very difficult things in here. But I know that we serve a God that loves us so much, And he is so good. And he said that our jars are going to be overflowing. He said that this is a year that he's going to pour out his promises on our life. But we have to step into that. Instead of just holding back and being like, I'm good. I have enough right here. He has more than enough for each one of us. I just want you to close your eyes for a second and I'm going to read a blessing out of Jan's book, Blessings for Love and War. And she, she actually sent me this about a year and a half ago. She wrote this blessing when she was praying over me, and it's in the book now. It's amazing. <laughs> and it's the blessing of the best. And I just want you to put yourself in a position to receive this. And worship team, you guys can come back up because we're going to play a song. It says this. In the name of Jesus Christ, I bless your spirit with joyful, joyful anticipation of promises fulfilled. In the waiting, a miracle unfolds. At the wedding feast, Jesus changed jars of water into the very best wine, the most perfect wine of all the ages. Jesus does not want to withhold joy. He loves a, to feast and celebrate with you, The purifying water of the word of God becomes the wine of the spirit bearing the fruit of joy. He extends joy to you. He takes delight in your joy. There is no limit of joy available to you. May your heart be undone by the exquisite miracle reserved for you. I'm going to read that again. May your heart be undone by the exquisite miracle reserved for you. In the waiting, even when you're running out of time, even when worry sets in, the waiting is worth it. Whenever Jesus tells you to do, make sure you do it. His ways are perfect. His timing is right. In the waiting, the majestic glory of Jesus is evidenced by a miracle. I bless you with the fulfillment of promise, the wonder of getting to proclaim these words. Jesus, you saved the best until last. You are the promise. In you, I dwell in promise. I receive your promise. My hope is a substance, a reality, secure in you. Jesus, we receive your hope today. Thank you, God, so much that you have more than enough for each one of us. And no matter what situation we're walking into, what, whatever we're seeing right in front of us, I pray that you would lift our eyes and we would see you. You are so good and you love us so much and you have good in store for each one of us. I pray that you would remind us of those things that we have maybe put aside because it's taken too long. Bring those back up, Jesus. Remind our spirit of those things. Lord, you are enough for us. We trust you with our life and we say, we need a miracle. Because if you don't show up, we've got nothing. We need you to show up in our life. We choose today to get our hopes up. Thank you, Lord.